We're ready right now for Dave Festcheck of the Toronto Star. Dave, how's it going? Andy, doing great, man. Oh, good. And I was I was sharing earlier when you were on with me at the NHL Free Agents uh, uh, Frenzy Show, and we were talking about John Tavares, and it was, oh, isn't this great? And then you, you stopped this. And, uh, Andy, sorry to interrupt, but uh, LeBron James just went to the Lakers. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> what <a night. laughs> right? Yeah, like, wasn't, that, wasn't that wild? That was so much fun. It was just such a crazy day. Such a crazy day. So many uh, emotions with the Leaf fans that have carried over from that all the way into the season. And I want to start you with some over-unders. We're doing that on the show today for Leaf goals and point total. So I'll take you through a few here and, and get your thoughts. Because this, this Leaf dynamic, I think, is fascinating. How the lines are put together. How the power plays are put together. Who plays with who. And how it affects point totals. So let's begin with the golden boy, Austin Matthews. We've set the over-under at 38.5 goals. He had 34 goals in 62 games last year. You going over or under for Austin? It's hard not to go over, isn't it? I mean, mm. I think, you know, I've been listening to the show, and I, I love the topic because it's a, it's a fun one to contemplate. Yeah. You haven't seen, haven't seen a game yet. You haven't even seen a training camp skate. But we do know this about this team, man. They're, they're, they're so deep up the middle now uh, between Matthews, Tavares, and, and Kadri. And whoever happens to be the fourth line center, whether it's Par Lindholm or, or whoever, um, that you have to believe if you're if you're handicapping this stuff, that it benefits everybody, right? Yeah. Like that it benefits everybody, and and it's, and I think you know the, the chief benefactor might be might be Austin Matthews because mm. no longer can an opposing coach just load up on the Matthews line, right? And no longer can an opposing coach say, okay, if we take that line out of it maybe in the way that the Boston Bruins did in, in the opening round of the playoffs, you know, we can, we can beat this team. Um, you have, you see, I, I would have to go over on that by, by quite a bit, because I think, look, we, we know a couple of things. We know that we know they're deep and we also know, you know, Mike Babcock did something really unusual in the off season. And he talked about how he was going to, you know, structure his lines a little bit. And I, I have to believe that that might've come out of the little conversation he had at a kitchen table in Scottsdale, Arizona, with with the Matthews family, hmm. and you know, you notice, you'll notice, Andy. I think I, I noticed. I think most most observers noticed. What did he talk about? He talked about not playing Zach Hyman on Matthews' line anymore. Mm-hmm. So the idea that they, you know, and as, as good as Zach is, I mean, he, we all know he's one of the great grinders in the sport right now. Uh, it, it does seem to be a bit of a point of contention in some camps that Hyman didn't have the hands to be fit playing with a skilled player like, like Matthews. So the idea that, that Matthews is going to have even more, even more skilled line mates uh, to take a little bit of the pressure off, the fact that he may get a little more ice time, because that seems to be, have been a gripe, and, and you have to imagine uh, it'll be addressed. And the fact that he's going to have you know, more support down the lineup, that's a big time over for me. Oh, yeah, and, and Dave, you're so right. And this, I, I can't overstate this enough, the fact that, Teams, as you said, can't load up on Matthews. They also can't load up on Tavares, and each of them can complement. If someone's having an off night or in a little bit of a slump, you can balance that. And if you tweak the lines to put them with skilled players to benefit and not get hung up on, well, Hyman's a good grinder guy and kind of that old-school feel, but really try to match up the talents, then you could have something special. So let's move from Matthews to John Tavares. And, well, he ran into the same problem with the island. One, he was on a very bad Islanders team. And two, he was always the focal point. He's uh, never scored 40 goals, and his high point was 86. We set the line at John Tavares at 80 and a half points. Are you feeling the over seeing that? Well, hey, a team, as you said, can't load up on one line. 
Well, that's an intriguing one because, I mean, there were, there were some red flags around John Tavares when the discussion uh, materialized about whether or not it was worth signing him to a long-term mm-hmm. deal at, at age uh, age 27. And one of the things I looked at, it was, hey, this is a guy who's, you know, he had his high watermark for points back in 2015 when he had 86. And yeah. then 20, uh, 2015, 16, and 17, those two years back-to-back, he went 70-66. So he looked to be in a little bit of decline until last year when he when he popped back to 84. So is this a guy in decline or is this a guy who still is in his prime? That that's going to be one of the great storylines of the year. My my thinking on this though, it's not so much about John Tavares. It's who John Tavares is going to be playing with. Yet. Yes. Again, this is not about. This is another situation where it's going to be about strength in numbers and the idea that this guy is going to be on the same line as Mitch Marner. I mean, for my money, the two the two most creative. Uh, visionary type players that we've seen come through the Toronto area, uh, maybe outside of McDavid in the past uh, 20 years. And I, I watched them both play a little bit of minor hockey and minor midget and, and into junior. And, and man, these two guys, I mean, it seems like to me, like a match made in heaven. It really does. And, and, and if I'm, you know, so if I'm, if, if I'm picking this one in particular, Andy, I'm going over on Tavares and I'm signing Mitch Marner to a long-term deal before this season, so I don't have to ah. deal with the, with the fallout of a massive point total that, that he's going to put up here playing alongside Tavares. Well, and that takes us to the, the Marner one of 70.5 points. And this is where I think what we we want to see out of Marner is maybe I don't necessarily need that many more goals because of the playmaking, but I, I don't want that slump. He had that, that really slow start and picked it up as far as scoring goals. But, yeah, the creativity, it just seems endless because, again, you cannot load up on one line, and then you sprinkle in the power play opportunities, too, for Mitch Marner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and look, I mean, let's not forget here, uh, you know, we, this will be an eternal debate uh, as Mitch Marner's career goes on about, you know, is he succeeding because of the way Mike Babcock has handled him or in spite of the way Mike Babcock has mm-hmm. handled him? And, I, and last year, to me, it was inexplicable what went on with Mitch Marner, you know, throwing him down on the fourth line, yeah. playing him with the guys he was played with. Uh, it made no sense to me. And then, of course, we saw what happened uh, in, in late January. I was on that trip when they, in Dallas, the famous night in Dallas, with, when Babcock shook up the lines and put Marner with some decent line mates. And what do you know? I mean, what, what do you know what happened? You know, he had, he exploded in February. February is his best month of the season. He had 18 points in 14 games. He exploded in March and he led the team in scoring in the playoffs. Uh, what a shock that if you put a great player with great vision, with great, with other good players, he'll do really well. And if you put him on the fourth line, he won't. I mean, that's, that to me. So, so I don't know that I, maybe that's Mike Babcock's idea of sports psychology one-on-one. And maybe he thinks he's a master manipulator, master motivator, you know, I guess that's going to be a debate for another day. But but for this one, the idea that this guy's playing with John Tavares, I mean, that's a no-brainer over. I mean, and, and the thing about this conversation is it sounds irrationally exuberant in a way that maybe Leaf, Leaf fans and Toronto fans are sometimes accused of being with unjust cause. But mm-hmm. I just, you know, I just have a hard time, you know, being the naysayer here, Andy. And I, I love to do that by, <laughs> by nature. But in this particular case, I just I just have a hard time saying under any of these numbers. Well, Dave, I love what you brought up there with when he was demoted to the fourth line, and you take all that into account that season, and he still led the team in points. So imagine with being paired with John Tavares, having a quality opposite winger there, and being able to have a full season in that. Yeah, this guy guy could bust it wide open. 
Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. I mean, yeah. the, like I don't I don't um, you know I'm not, I don't cheer. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of any particular team, but I'm I'm definitely a fan of athletic genius. Like I love seeing people that do things that very people can do. And for me, Mitch Marner is one of those people. It's just yeah. in terms of his ability to open up space and see 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 lanes and 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 possibilities that nobody else or very few other players in history have seen. Uh, I, I'm intrigued to see the kinds of lanes that he observes. Playing with such an you know uh, e- almost equally comp- uh, com- you know creative player in, J- in Johnny Tavares, right? And and to be able to to get to see great players be great that's that's what I'm a fan of. See the great yeah, ones be great. Be, it's going to be fun, man. It's gonna, you know the only the only you know you hate to be the naysayer. The only thing that could derail this thing would be injuries, and that's that's a bit of a lottery in the NHL. But yeah, hey, we also know we also know the Leafs have if it, whatever part of it isn't a lottery, whatever can be controlled in terms of the injuries, and that, that goes down to players' diet and training and recovery and all that stuff, I don't think there's a team in the league that's invested more than the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, so you have to believe that they're doing everything you can possibly do to, uh, to sort of avert that kind of uh, doomsday sort of a scenario. In conversation with Dave Festchuk of the Toronto Star on Twitter, at DFestchuk. Let's move to goaltending. And, Dave, this is the most interesting over-under to me. Because, yeah, we look at Matthews, Marner, all the possibilities. But Freddie Anderson, we set the line at 36.5 wins. Last year, coming out, he had 38 wins. And it's not that a drop in wins means he's playing poorly. It just means that the workload would be decreased, which has been seen as a problem. Let's say if Garrett Sparks comes up and takes some of the workload. Where are you putting the over-under on wins for Freddie Anderson? Well, I like the under here for, for the, very reason you're, the, the very reason you're uh, you're outlining pretty well there, Andy. And I think, look, if you if you look at um, if you look at Freddie Anderson's season last year, everybody talks about, boy, you know, his numbers were brought down by a terrible October. But you know, if you if you just measure it by save percentage, you know what his worst month was? It was March. You know, he hmm. was eight eighty four. He was eight eighty four in March, and I, and I remember observing around that time that it what looked like you know clear signs of fatigue in, in the guy. And you know, Freddie Anderson's a one of the most uh, stand-up people in, in the sport that I've come across. I mean, he, he's never going to complain, and and rarely will he acknowledge a weakness, right? I mean, he's a, he's he's definitely a guy who who grins and bears his troubles, and isn't isn't gonna isn't gonna uh, beat you know bitch about them. But um, he looked tired to me, and yeah. so so I would think you know you know again we're not coaching this team. The all-knowing, all-powerful Mike Babcock is. But you, you have to believe. You have to believe if you just watching what we watched, that you have to believe it's a good idea not to play this guy so much. Because in the last two years since you got to Toronto, no goalie in this league has faced more shots and had to make more saves than Freddie Anderson. So um, that, that to me, that, that doesn't bode well for success down the stretch. And if you look at it, he was he was really sluggish looking in March, and that carried on into the playoffs when he when he wasn't particularly you know, outstanding at all. In fact, probably a little subpar in the playoffs. Uh, maybe, maybe more than a little subpar in the playoffs. Hmm. I mean, and again, small sample size, but we did see it. We saw it building, and it wasn't a shock, right? When when Freddie Anderson didn't bail them out in the playoffs, I wasn't shocked. I don't think anybody was because he wasn't building up to that. He was regressing as the season went on, and I, I have to believe that was fatigue related. And I have to believe the Leafs managed it differently this this year. So yeah, I'm I'm under on the number of wins simply because he's going to have fewer opportunities to get them. Exactly, and I, I think Dave, what we what we as fans to expect and what the organization, I think, with the signing of John Tavares has done is put the the urgency to win at the forefront. This isn't no, like, if you have a bad team, yeah, run your goalie, who, you know, whatever, all right, just do it. 
But this is a team that is expected now. The mindset isn't just, oh, cool, let's make the playoffs, that's fun. It's, let's get to the finals. Let's get to the conference finals. Let's get to the Stanley Cup finals. And, my God, let's try to win it. So if you're taking that mindset then you have to manage the goaltending better because of those numbers you laid out, Dave. You want to be peaking going into the playoffs. You don't want your, your starting goalie to be run down. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, I mean, and that might be one of the benefits of being in the Atlantic Division, a division that is so top-heavy mm-hmm. where the top three teams are, are, are awfully good and, and there's a real fall-off for the rest of the crew of, of uh, bedraggled uh, strugglers. <laughs> that's a great um, word. You know, so I mean, seriously, like, like, does anybody really believe any of those, any of those bottom, uh, bottom feeding Atlantic teams are going to pose a real threat this year? I mean, we we do see bounce backs in this league, and 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 yeah, this isn't the NBA. The line between the really good teams and the not so good teams isn't nearly as big as it is in basketball. But um, I still think you know Tampa, Boston, Toronto are are are, are fairly big gap uh, built a fairly big gap between the rest of their division rivals. So you you have to believe. That, that almost it gets close to assuring them a playoff spot as long as as long as they're not decimated by injuries or some crazy uh, crazy other event. So that should give them the luxury of not having to press Freddie Anderson like they've pressed him uh, in the in the past two seasons. Again, Mike Babcock's an impatient guy. I'm not I'm not betting that Babcock's going to play him less because uh, I mean we know he wants to win every night and we know that he is very impatient when it comes to. Uh, backup goalies, uh, Jonas Enroth can tell you that. I mean, you know, <laughs> with his cup of coffee here. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, there's no guarantees. Like if, if Garrett Sparks isn't the guy, if, uh, if, if they don't get, you know, the kind of play they want from the backup, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be another situation where Freddie Anderson's playing 66 or 68 games. Uh, I just don't think that would be wise. And I think it, no matter who you got, in the backup slot all year, uh, even if it's multiple people, I think you're better off trying to preserve your number one guy so that, as you point out, you know, it'd be, it, you know he's, he's fresh for the playoff drive. So, Dave, where do you go for the backup goalie position? Like, I'm, I'm leaning all the way towards Sparks because I think at some point you have to reward great play. And with taking the workload down from Freddie Anderson. You can play Sparks more. Guys won the goaltender of the year in the AHL, won the Calder Cup. My fear begins, if you start sending him down, the message is, well, okay, you've done all this. You're not rewarded. So for me, I want Sparks up there day one and to be the the top secondary goaltender to play quite a few games. Where do you go? Do you like McElhaney, Sparks? Yeah, well, look, I mean, my my default's kind of... Falls in line with your thinking, Andy. I mean, I also think. Look, yeah, Garrett Sparks is probably deserve probably deserves a chance. I and mean, in fact, yeah. more than probably, definitely deserves a chance. And the fact that he's twenty five years old. I mean, we've seen guys come into the league at older ages, but you know, now is the time. I think mm-hmm. you know this would this would be a good time to give him a chance. I think it's almost a no brainer in some ways because um, as long as as long as Sparks obviously performs to a, to a decent level in training camp and. And uh, whenever else he's tested and auditioned, um, you know when you look at when you look at the attachment that Kyle Dubas has to that Marley's team, you have to believe there's a little bit of that going on too, right? Mm. You have to believe that the guys that won that Calder Cup are going to be looked on favorably by this organization, especially if they show signs of being able to help this organization. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think I think it's it, it would be highly surprising to me if if uh, Garrett Sparks did not get a, a decent run. At uh, at this role, um, but Curtis, hey, Curtis McElhaney's you know done nothing uh, nothing but good things in he a lot of well. ways in this franchise. He's he's been very dependable. 
He, uh, by all accounts, he's a great citizen. Uh, you know, there's been no, there's been no issues in that locker room, no goalie controversy, which is obviously, you know, in, in a town like this, I think, I think it's appreciated. But, uh, and when you look at, you know, McElhinney's numbers these past two years have been very, you know, very, very uh, respectable. Last year, you know, 934 save percentage in, in whatever it was, 15 starts, 11 wins. I mean, it's hard to ask for more than that. So you talk about Garrett Sparks deserves an opportunity. Well, I guess the counter to that would be, what did, what did Carlos McElhinney do to lose the opportunity? Yeah. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so it'll be an interesting one. I mean, I, I think it's good to have options, right? It was always a bit concerning. Um, if you were a Leaf fan, to me, they, they only really had one backup last year, and it, and it seemed, you know, or, or for a lot of last year, until maybe until you got a little more comfortable with the form of, of, of uh, Sparks. But um, yeah, I, it, this, it could. If I guess you know, on a team with a lot of with a lot of certainty uh, on the forward lines, and and certainly probably some certainty that they uh, that they rather maybe not have on defense because it, it seems certain that it's not going to improve that much. Uh, maybe that's the one. That's the one, uh, you know, role on this team that's up for debate, which is who will be the backup goalie on a day-to-day basis. Man, I, I love these off-season chats, and training camp will be here before we know it. Dave, thank you so much, man. Great chat with you, Andy. All right, you too. Have a great weekend, Dave Festchuk, Toronto Star columnist, one of the all-time great guys. Love Dave on Twitter at d 